This is Clearstead's Investment Forum, where we hold quarterly discussions with allocators, managers, and other industry leaders on current investment trends and topics. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The ideas and opinions expressed on this show by its host and its guest speakers do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Clearstead Advisors, LLC, or its subsidiaries and affiliates, and do not constitute legal, tax, or investment advice, or a recommendation of any particular security or strategy. Any information prepared from third-party sources is believed to be reliable, though its accuracy is not guaranteed. Opinions expressed on this commentary reflect subjective judgments of the speakers based on conditions at the time of recording and are subject to change without notice. This education content is intended to inform and educate listeners about topics discussed and is not intended as investment, tax, or legal advice for any specific individual or specific situation. Listeners should seek the input of their own financial tax and legal professionals before acting on any of the information provided. Thank you in advance for listening, and we hope that you enjoy the discussion. Well, hello, I'm Svetlana Loshakov. Uh, our today's episode is dedicated to the topics of ESG, socially responsible investing and impact investing. It's a great pleasure to introduce my very good friend, Keith Breslauer, founder of Patron Capital. Patron is a global private equity firm focused on investments in companies and assets associated with property and property-related activities in the United Kingdom and Western Europe. Patron has over 4 billion of AUM, and its portfolio now includes over 65 million square feet of real estate. Those who know Keith can attest to his numerous philanthropic initiatives. His current and previous roles include chairman and trustee of the Princess Teaching Institute, trustee and lead corporate donor of Royal Marines Charity, advisory board director of Rastanit Center for Social Sector Innovation of Chicago Booth, and many other charities throughout the Jewish community in the United Kingdom, Israel, and the United States. Keith also supports educational initiatives tied to the property and fund management industry. He is one of the founders of Center for Real Estate Finance Research at NYU Stern, member of the Real Estate Forum of Paul Milstein Center for Real Estate at Columbia University. He is a guest lecturer at Chicago Booth, Harvard Business School, Oxford University Said School of Business, Tuck School of Business, and Imperial College. Keith holds an MBA degree from University of Chicago and Bachelor of Science degree from NYU Stern School of Business. Well, welcome to our podcast, Keith. Thank you. Uh, So to frame our discussion, uh, an increasing number of investors are calling for the money to make a positive impact on society and the world at large. And so I wanted to start this conversation with the the WISH Fund, Women in Safe Housing. Um, Obviously, the the recent COVID-19 pandemic um, amplified the plight of those victims, victims of domestic abuse. So how did the idea of launching a fund to help these victims came about? So we were, it's a great question. I mean, we were approached by uh, Big Society Capital, which is a very well-respected, it's called a merchant bank in the UK that focuses on impact investing and, and social impact challenges. And the chairman is a very good friend of mine, was formerly the chairman of the PTI that I currently chair, which is the charity for state school teachers. Anyway, so he they approached us and said, you know, we got the, we think there's a problem. We think there's a, we've done a study and there's about 16,000 women who have suffered domestic abuse um, in the UK. This is before COVID. 
and we would like to figure out a way to deal with it. And the specific issue is that there's not enough housing for them if they want to establish a new home with their families. It's only temporary accommodation. And we would like your help. And I said, well, why us? And he said, well, you, you have an affinity for changing the world or helping others. Uh, you have an enormous amount of experience in residential in the United Kingdom, uh, pretty much across the country. And therefore, somehow you'll help with us figure out how best to do this. So um, why we did it was we got asked by initially by big society as an idea. Um, but the, 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 the core of the aspect is that it was something that was a real need that we determined. We, we figured out a way to actually um, address the issue. And we have spent the past 12 months putting together a product that we think works as an investable product and at the same time making a significant difference. And now we're in the process of raising the capital for it, although we've already secured a first pot of capital and we've already acquired, or started to acquire first homes and flats. Yeah. So how is how do you make this product interesting from investment perspective? Maybe if you can talk a little bit. Sure. So the, the, the question, obviously, in all investable product is what is the appropriate risk adjusted return for that investment? And in this example, what we are doing is we're buying residential homes and flats or apartments, uh, um, as you would say in the States, despite my accent. Uh, and we use that uh, and we do that on a rented basis. So we're buying these homes and properties in partnership essentially with the charities and the charities are renting it from us and they are then taking care of the individuals of the cohorts. And there are these charities in England called registered providers where their job is to essentially help or the specific job is to help these individuals and they get paid by the government to do so. So the government pays them a bunch of money to help these individuals. They then take a portion of that money and they pay us a rent. And we use that rent to pay us the return when we acquire the home. So when we look at other residential product of similar locations or similar size, it should make roughly the same return as a rental product. And that's exactly what it does. So we think it is on a risk adjusted basis, a very balanced uh, 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 product and therefore should work for those who like to invest in this type of asset. I guess when, when you think about the impact investing, are there any are there any common mistakes that you should be careful or avoid? Are there is a certain issues you have to be sensitive about comparing to any other uh, products? In general, I think there's a very important question, which is when you invest to create an impact, is it an investable idea? In other words, is this something that you should be doing as a trustee of a, a savings or an endowment or a pension plan uh, or not? Or is this charity? And in fact, the problem and it's a very real issue with most people who think about impact investing, historically at least, is that they think of it like a charity, like you're actually giving an element of charity and you're like, hang on, that's not what our responsibility is. Our responsibility is to earn a return for our pension pensioners and they could choose to use that money to give away to charity. That's their choice. It's not our mandate. Well, what this is, is this, the way we're working is in a way that's supposed to be, that this actually is a very good product and a risk adjusted basis that's either comparable or frankly superior to similar types of residential product that do not make an impact. So the impact is, let's call it the cherry on the top. It's the extra bit, which makes it even more worthwhile to do. So, so when you, in terms of your question, it's very, very important to distinguish what is actually investing and what is charity. We're not giving charity. We're actually investing money in a proper way, but it actually makes a significant difference, which we then measure. So that would be an important point. Well, one one issue you mentioned is how to measure, how to measure impact. And I think that's actually interesting. Uh, 
I, I was looking at the PitchBook survey recently, PitchBook published ESG survey, a much broader survey. And they looked at, uh, I guess the good news, there were 650 uh, responders uh, to the survey this year, comparing to about 48 when they did it prior time in 2016. So clearly there is much more awareness on ESG issues. Uh, but it also um, highlighted some of the difficulties the investors are facing. And one of them is unclear how to define and measure impact outcome. So, and I guess the second one was the, uh, the lack of robust data on ESG factors for private companies. So they're the two that investors are grappling with. But maybe like a, take a step back a little bit and talk about ESG in general. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on ES and G? You know, ESG is 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 a big are big words, right? Environmental, social, and governance. So, what are the different dynamics, and how does one define it? So, in the in the real estate space, it's E has always been really part of the story, and in fact, it's just become more of it. Whether it's carbon emissions, levels of carbon emissions, for example, in building works or in type of materials one uses, really the impact on the environment around them, and and what does that mean? Um, recently, we're seeing an increasing uh, requirement for improved technology with, uh, associated with construction to improve the environmental impact, others to reduce the impact that one makes on the environment. The S, which is a social aspect, a social impact, has historically not got a lot of attention, uh, mainly perhaps because it's harder to measure. It's not obvious how the difference one makes, um, but it lately is becoming more and more prevalent. Uh, I happen to personally resonate better with it because I'm able to look at the impact you have on a human being, right, or on a community. Uh, and that is a social impact. Wish has a very significant social impact. We, by the way, E is very important to us also. We're very much involved in the refurbishment of the, you when know, we're buying existing properties, but the properties we are buying when we do refurbishment is very much as compliant to highest, as, as, as best as possible to highest standards on the E side, but the S is the primary objective of the, of the, um, of the fund. Now, interestingly, the G, which everyone has a slightly different version of how to one define it, but let's use transparency, good corporate governance, good, good reporting, good style, good approach. Frankly, that is something that, that as, a, as a, fiduciary, a fiduciary of capital should be doing anyway. Right? That should be normally par for the course. And I'm always amazed when we look at other managers or we look at sometimes other funds that they, they don't really look at it the same way. They're not as detailed, as oriented. And I think in real estate, we're trained in a certain way to be very, very granular. So it's much, perhaps it's easier to produce this kind of information. So G is, is, is really much less for us at least in terms of our operational, uh, our operating um, approach of an issue. Now for public companies, however, or existing corporates, E, S, and G are all important. And they each play a role. G is in terms of the public documents and the public filings and the reporting and, and, and how that business is doing. S, obviously, on the impact they have on the local communities that they work in or they work with or their employee base. And E is on the environmental dynamic of their business. So each one becomes very, very important in, in sort of historical or existing companies as a perspective. I guess uh, from uh, a limited partner perspective, when we review managers, pretty much everybody's claiming ESG compliance. Um, any any advice, uh, how, do you, um, how do you evaluate managers? What questions we should really ask to understand what is, what is getting done and what's realistic to expect in, in that space? I think obviously one as an LP should be considering how, invest, how a manager 
is reporting and is providing this kind of information. You should read it yourself. But I think a great question always is, the easiest way to check whether this is just window dressing or it's real, is to actually ask an, a, a manager, managing partner or the investment director to take you through the specific dynamics of ESG that relates to that investment, right? And let them explain to you how they're thinking about it. And what you might find is a lot of people just kind of put it in their report, but they don't really think about it. It's not part of their dynamic. You might find actually a lot of people think about it all the time. Or you might, people might say, actually, we think a lot about the E and, and the G we do anyway, but we think about the E, we're not always thinking about the S. Um, and then there's another aspect, which is very important, which is that to be perfectly compliant with certain elements of, let's use environmental, may not be financially sound, fundamentally. And frankly, the regulators may say you don't have to be compliant to a certain standard. For example, you don't have to go to zero carbon emissions. You have to go to X carbon emissions or you have to go to a certain standard. And, and it's really a question of understanding how the manager thinks about that respective standard and where are they on that journey? Have they reached it? Have they not quite reached it and getting there? Are they surpassed it and they want to get better? Do they agree that the standard may not be appropriate? Or in other words, it might be not enough. So, so that ESG is very important. In our in the patron business, S has never been regulated. We have never been asked by investors historically, what is our S, our social impact of our investments? We've asked, been asked a lot by environmental. Geez, we've been asked a lot, but it's kind of a given. But S never, never asked. We actually think about that, about jobs in the community, uh, how, you know, how, what impact we're having on the local society, and what does that mean as a general rule? Right. I guess I should uh, maybe ask a, a related question on the S side. Is diversity and inclusion uh, how does it factors in your thinking? Um, yeah, it's a it's a very first of all it factors a lot into our thinking. It's it's a very interesting question because how one defines diversity is very different upon the culture. So I think, for example, women in the workforce uh, uh, in the UK has, has for us at least has always been a very big deal. We've always been challenged on trying how to improve and do better. Um, but racial diversity is kind of a given here. So we never actually. As I thought about it that way, because we have so many different cultural uh, cultural dynamics, um, but that gives you a flavor. So it really depends country to country, but but generally diversity is a, is a very big part of, of, of what we think about. Very good. So maybe switching gears a little bit, uh, can we talk about charitable work that you do and Patron does, or both or separately? I have, I come from a culture, you know, I'm a, I come from an Orthodox Jewish background and I was raised or educated culturally that we should give 10% back to society. And my father and mother, I grew up in a relatively poor home, my very, very good home, thank God, but we didn't have any, we didn't have much money. Um, and my, my, my mother and my father both gave a lot of themselves to the community. So when I sort of started my career, I thought a lot about that and I try to do more and more. And then when I said patron up 21 years ago, roughly, I de decided to devote about 10 hours, or actually not about maximum of 10 hours a week to charity. Very important thing to have a hard max, otherwise you think it's too much. Uh, and I give about 10 to 20% of what I make in disposable income away on average every year. That's kind of the approach that we've done. Um, and over the years, it's evolved into a couple of three themes. Uh, and my idea, was to involve all my partners in that, have they could give money or the entire team, they can give money or they can give their time, but everybody should feel like they're touching the community in some way. So everybody in our company is involved in some way. 
and and it could be in derivatives. So and and if anyone has a great idea, we welcome it and we 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 roll with it. So my um so my assistant said to me uh, uh, during the middle of COVID, I have a friend of mine who works with some boutique clothing store. Uh, they're going to throw away their clothes. Um, it's going to go out of season or whatever. I have an idea that we should get those clothes and give them to Solace Women's Aid, which is one of the charity partners we're working with in the Women's Safe Homes Fund. So Solace Women's Aid looks after women and their families of domestic abuse. And my assistant had this idea to use clothing to help them. So she said, what do you think? It's a great idea. She says, okay, what do I do? I said, okay, get the, you figure it out. I'll, we'll pay for it. Use our office, our conference rooms to be the sorting area. We'll figure it out and you'll set it all up. She goes, okay, can I recruit three of the other people here? I go, sure, do it. So off she goes, totally on her own. She gets, so talk with her friends. She organizes this whole thing. She, next thing I know, I got three conference rooms stuffed, floor to ceiling with clothing. She's got a whole crew of people shipping out bags. And I think, and then we then topped it up with some other stuff. I paid for toys and things like that. And then we gave out Christmas gifts to, I think we did, I'm going to say 300 families. I might be, I might be wrong, but it was a lot of families, let's say, who we made it, we think we made a real difference to. And it came from just a kernel of an idea that my assistant had, and she did all the heavy lifting. You know, the, the whole point of all this is that we're not trying to prove, I have no interest in, in saying I'm an ESG compliant person or a check some box, going back to your investor question. This is actually to the root and to the core of what we're trying to achieve. It's absolutely important and fundamental that our investment thesis actually makes a difference, actually really helps, to, we, we, we help our investors and our pensioners make money, but also we make a difference in the world and therefore everybody benefits. Well, I think you know you, the enthusiasm is is infectious. I think if you if you get enough uh, like-minded people, they create significant impact, and you oh, can huge. feel it. Huge. I, I, I totally agree. Um, well, I'm I'm sorry to say, but that brings us to the end of our conversation. Um, uh, we hope that you will join us again. We'll have another podcast in July, and uh, hopefully, we'll connect soon again. Hopefully when all this is over, all this, when COVID all stuff this is, is over. over. I know. <laughs> we appreciate you listening to ClearSeds Investment Forum. If you enjoyed the discussion, please subscribe so you don't miss our future episodes. To learn more about our firm, you can visit our website at clearstead.com or email us at info at clearstead.com. Thank you.